Welcome to our third segment of this afternoon's program. It's Sunday, the 23rd of January, 2021. It is now 2.23 in the studio. I'm your host, Kieran Murdoch. Uh, the aim of this, our third discussion this afternoon, is to explore the reasons behind the outcome of the January 2022 Barbadian general election. Uh, incumbent Prime Minister in Barbados, Mia Motley, won a resounding victory and again achieved a clean sweep with her Barbados Labour Party, the BLP, taking all 30 seats in the Barbadian legislature. Uh, Barbados's main opposition party, the Democratic Labour Party, or DLP, was defeated utterly despite several years having passed since its ousting in 2018, uh, years which some thought would have allowed it to reform and reorganize so as to be more appealing to the electorate. Uh, but here in Antigua and Barbuda, we are anticipating our own general election, with Prime Minister Gaston Brown hinting at a snap poll since late 2021. Uh, the last two post-election maps of Antigua and Barbuda, the map after the election of 2014 and the map after the election of 2018, were very red indeed, with the Antigua and Barbuda Labour Party of leader Gaston Brown winning 14 of 17 seats in 2014 and then 15 of 17 seats in 2018. On this segment, we ask, is a resounding third-term victory on its way for the Antigua Barbuda Labour Party, or will the fortunes of Motley be far different from the fortunes of Brown? Um, joining our panel for this discussion, we're happy to have with us on Zoom Dr. Dave Ray. Uh, Dr. Dave Ray is an Antiguan and Barbudan, joining us from New York. He is an elections analyst and a campaign organizer. Uh, he was a campaign field organizer for the 2016 Hillary Clinton campaign in the United States. He is also an internationally known cosmetologist. And we're happy to have him with us this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Dr. Dave Ray. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to everyone. We have as well joining us um, Dr. George Brathwaite, lecturer in the Department of Government, Sociology, Social Work and Psychology at the University of the West Indies, Cavehill. Uh, he's also a former consultant editor at the Caribbean Times, which is a paper that used to operate here in Antigua and Barbuda. Good afternoon to you, Dr. George Brathwaite. Uh, how are you doing? Good afternoon, Kiran. I'm well. Good afternoon, Antigua. Good afternoon to Dr. Ray. Uh, yeah, interesting discussion, I, I, I'm, I'm presuming. <laughs> we, uh, we may as well be joined by Dr. Christina Hines. She's a, a senior lecturer in political science and international relations at the UEK Hill, uh, but we haven't been able to get her as yet. Uh, we may have some difficulty, but in any event, we will proceed. Um, uh, Dr. George Brown. She, she was on a, she was hosting a previous um, um, program, so she might be in late. That's okay. my head of the department, by the way. No problem, no problem. Okay, see, we the Caribbean is very small. <laughs> you see, we we have um, we have eyes and ears everywhere. We can always find out what's going on with our guests. Um, Dr. George Brathwaite, uh, th the first question really is uh, some analysis of what happened in Barbados. Um, we would have seen another clean sweep for Mia Motley's Barbados Labour Party. Uh, many are wondering why the Democratic Labour Party failed, uh, I would use the words, miserably. W why so miserably? Why uh, uh, a 30-seat clean sweep once again? A, 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 few, a few factors uh, I, I would like to quickly mention. One, Mia Motley is really and truly not just talking about astute leadership, she is really on top of her game when it comes to politics. She knows it inside out. So that's one. Of course, she's not perfect, but she's very good. Secondly, uh, the strategy of calling the elections, regardless of the rationale behind it, it took the opposition 
all opposition parties off guard, all opposition persons off guard. They weren't looking for it. Thirdly, in terms of, it, it highlights the failure of the Democratic Labour Party, highlights the fact that it wasn't listening. It wasn't a party listening to the people. Because for the last three and a half years, persons in Barbados were speaking about that horrid um, platform of 2018 and the fact that that old guard needed to be pushed aside, walk aside, just stay low, stay in the background, do whatever. But they needed to rebrand itself in, with, with lots of new faces, new voices, and persons that could capture the imagination of the Barbadians. And preempting all that, there was still the necessity to say sorry. Sorry for, for really uh, demeaning the legacy of Earl Barr and the political platform that they stood on in 2018. Without those things happening, and Peter Wickham, a, a, a pollster and, a, and, and, a, and that you are quite familiar with, I remember as, as the moderator on one of the calling programs in Barbados, he would constantly um, plead, implore the Democratic Labour Party to put its house in order, and bring its people so that they can be introduced to the electorate. Let people know who, who you have working in which communities and constituencies. But they kept, I guess, a bit of arrogance, quiet arrogance, suggesting that they will do it in their time. And they totally underestimated the electorate. Um, uh, Dr. Dave Ray. That's it in a nutshell there. Uh, Dr. Yes. Dave Ray, what, what do you think about the um, the results in Barbados? Uh, what, what do you make of them? And are you surprised at all that the opposition party there, uh, which was uh, utterly defeated, uh, zero seats in the last election of 2018, um, managed to once again uh, get zero seats? Well, to add to what Dr. George Brathwaite shared, I believe that there are several other factors that can be taken into consideration. One is that Barbados is proud of the, the oratorial skills of uh, Mia Amor Motley. She can speak on a whim and she speak, she has great content. She represented not only Barbados, but the Caribbean well at the General Assembly in the UN, at the UN, and uh, was even interviewed by Christian Amanpour for quite some time. And I think Barbadians on a whole was extremely proud of the way she presented herself. She comported herself. Uh, the 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 fact that she won a second time resoundingly is not surprising to me, because the opposition, for example, the DLP, what they did was they changed, they retired some of the candidates, and they presented new candidates, which, first of all, some of them did not have enough time to canvass. And they, they also did not have a sound message uh, going forward as opposed, you know, it was more so bashing her as opposed to what they can do for the country or also acknowledging some of the errors they made during their tenure. For example, Franda Stewart, the former uh, prime minister, did not, did not speak. He was not very vocal through his two terms. But on the night of the election of 2018, I remember, he was on air for almost the whole election cycle, speaking uh, the whole the whole um, night of the count. And the amount of uh, um, conversation he had during that night was more than what he had during the whole uh, two terms of his tenure. 
Now, Mia Motley has been able to use social media to her advantage. She, ever, I get notifications almost every single three hours that Mia Motley is doing something in Barbados or she's speaking somewhere or the parliament. They did not do that. So she was able to use social media to her advantage. So the people saw her, heard her. She was very um, impassioned. She was very um, sympathetic and empathetic to many of the situations, even if she didn't solve all of the problems. She also presented herself well during the pandemic and how she uh, dealt with her community, uh, her electoral community. So there, there are several facts that I can see there. Although she changed, although she also changed some of the, the, uh, the, the, her candidates in several constituencies, like from St. Michael's South to St. Michael's Central, et cetera, they still became victorious because of the fact that the opposition was not ready. And I'll add one more point. Using Frondo Stewart to come on the platform during their campaign was a game changer in the sense that it worked against them because he came on um, in a very sort of narcissistic way, presenting himself like he was the god of all and he doesn't regret anything and he had wonderful years. When he lost, he is the reason, the main reason why they, why Miyamati was able to do a 13 nil um, that, you know, that uh, so. Her getting 13 nil again was not surprising. I thought maybe they would have lost one or two seats, um, but because because there were two or so candidates who you saw did decently well, I would say they got in the regions of um, uh, about maybe 10% um, less than the than the winner. So like Estwick and I think uh, um, Stephen Lashley, they came close to you know at least being victorious. But I think overall, they got a thrashing because of the leadership of the, the party or the non-leadership of the party, so to speak. Um, even, even the new leader they had, uh, she didn't do very well, even in her, in her Ver Verla, she didn't do very well in her, in her constituency. She got, I think, 17% of the votes in her constituency. She didn't even do very well. Let me bring back in Dr. George Brathwaite um, to get into some of the comparative issues now. Um, I, Dr. George Brathwaite, I want to get a sense from you um, whether or not the impact of COVID-19 on the economy in Barbados um, and perhaps the unpopularity with some of COVID restrictions and vaccine mandates was a factor at all in the election. Uh, because many people in Antigua and Barbuda uh, may be thinking that those two issues, uh, the unpopularity of COVID restrictions um, when they were in place uh, and the impact of COVID on the economy are things that are going to work against the incumbent in Antigua. Uh, I'm curious as to what impact either of those two things had on the incumbent in Barbados. I think we've seen uh, there, there are some areas where uh, there have been a consistency in the approaches, particularly when there has been regional dialogue in terms of the management of the COVID-19. But uh, in a more localized way, uh, we also saw differences. And I think perhaps the, the if, if you make a comparison with political leaders, uh, Mayor Motley versus uh, Gaston Brown, you, you, you may tell that although both are quite proactive and assertive, uh, one tends to be a little bit more muscular than the other. And so what you saw in Barbados that, uh, for example, um, Mia Motley has declared before and remains consistent, even under pressure from the business class, that 
vaccination will not be man mandatory. And she's gone about uh, in terms of encouraging, coaching, guiding, pleading, those types of things. Uh, with Gaston Brown, I was on, on, on this show here where we had to uh, question uh, the, 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 the language and, 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 and being used to get to jostle persons into position, all, all towards the same end. But I think that is one of the things that will make a difference. In terms of the management, I guess one can say that overall, on perhaps on a scale of one to ten, Barbados would probably reach a seven in terms of the, the, the management of the of the COVID nineteen. One of the things that emerged during the uh, election was the fact that uh, persons were questioning the timing, given that uh, you 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 were beginning to see the onset of the Omicron, and some persons were suggesting that. Perhaps you should wait. It is not constitutionally due. I think it's constitutionally due according to how we, we follow the laws. It's the right of the prime minister to call it within that five-year period. Uh, so, so, so you, when you look at these types of dynamics, uh, you, you, you say, one, it was uh, good timing and reading the tea leaves well by Mia Motley. And the extent that uh, we saw in Jamaica, a similar thing was done. And you had relatively low turnouts, and I, I, I think you will, you will, you will continue to see low turnout. Uh, but I do not think uh, this, the misuse of the word apathy, uh, it, it, it is, it is being thrown around. But I don't think it is apathy at all. I think you get the impression. Some persons voted who would have supported the Barbados Labour Party naturally and go to the polls because they figure the Barbados Labour Party has any bag, a bit, of, a bit complacent. But then you also had those who would not have voted because they didn't see the type of changes that they wanted to see in terms of the Democratic Labour Party and other opposition parties. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, if it ain't broke, you know, no need to fix it. So they left well enough alone and those two stayed at home. So I think you you had a combination of those factors. And like I was on the program today, uh, the mentioning of the fact that you had uh, the electoral um, commission was also seen to be thrown a bit off guard because they, 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 they didn't quite get the list as clear as it ought to have been this time around. Uh, and that is the final list I'm talking about. So when you get those factors all coming together, I say on on, on level, you will still have to give Miss Motley a passing grade. And overall, the percentage was 45% low, but we cannot discount um, the impact and implications arising from COVID and the fact that the Democratic Labour Party as the main mass-based party outside of the Barbados Labour Party fail to capture the imagination of the average Barbadians. Uh, I want to bring in at this point Dr. Christina Hines. Uh, as our, our listeners would have heard me say before, she's a senior lecturer in political science and international relations at the University of the West Indies, Cave Hill. Uh, Dr. Christina Hines, uh, I'd invite you to respond, and she joins us on Zoom, folks, just to let you know. Uh, I'd invite you to respond to anything you've heard thus far. I did want to ask you a particular question to pick up on what Dr. Brathwaite just said, um, and you will have to unmute your microphone uh, before you, 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 you join us. Uh, but that particular question was about the voter turnout in Barbados. Um, as he mentioned there, it was uh, at 45%. I'm wondering how significant is that a dip from what it usually is uh, and whether or not the lower turnout 
was something that more affected support for the incumbent or more affected support for the main opposition party? Thank you so much for having me on the program and for that question. The voter turnout is for me an issue of worry. I realize that Dr. Brathwaite has treated it somewhat casually and I have a very different take on this. So although there are issues with our voters list needing to be cleaned, this also was the case in previous elections. Even so, our, our voter turnout is usually in the vicinity of between 60 and 63%, even of the unclean list. And now we have a 45% voter turnout. That is a significant dip of 23% from the last election. Now, what accounts for this? I also can't say I fully subscribe to Dr. Brathwaite's view because there are persons first of all, who were unable to vote because they were in COVID-19 isolation, as well as those who were in quarantine who may not necessarily have tested positive for COVID-19, but were in quarantine because they were a contact of a person who was in isolation having tested positive for COVID-19. So that's one factor, although relatively small. We also have to consider that we have voters, electors who are undecided. And some of these persons may have put their confidence in the Barbados Labour Party in the 2018 election. Some of these people, while not necessarily against the government, may not be as pleased as Dr. Brathwaite might think with some things, some of the decisions that have been made by the government, especially relating to the COVID-19 pandemic, even though I think it has been relatively well managed. Some of these persons, have taken the approach of not voting. That is not apathy, that's an abstention. It doesn't mean that people don't care about politics. It means that in this particular situation, they may have abstained. And we can add to this, those persons from the Democratic Labour Party who would have been the traditional supporters, who again, may not have been very enthusiastic or moved by the message of the Democratic Labour Party. Finally, I want to say that if we look at the vote, the actual way in which people voted, and we look at the quantities of votes cast, we will see that although the DLP was affected, some would say, I guess one could say more than the Barbados Labour Party, the Barbados Labour Party also lost support in this general, general election. So we have some questions surrounding what are the causes of people deciding to stay home in this particular general election? Is it just fear of COVID-19 or are there other factors at play? And I think that the government would be very wise not to take for granted that people stayed home because they thought they were going to win. And they should really seek to find out what the issues are that people are facing in this country that have trouble, troubled them so much that they decided not to cast their ballot one way or another. Let me bring back in Dr. Dave Ray. Dr. Dave Ray. Can I add to, can I add to that, Kieran? Yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah, let me just add to that. That Yes, I, I, I'm listening to Dr. Hines, and I'm thinking that the, the Labour Party, uh, their, 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 their dip was about 1% based on the, the, the total amount of votes, where the, the DLP uh, grew, uh, let's say, 5%. However... If you look at the thrashing they got, it's only about two or three seats that you really could consider viable. Then you had, uh, I would say, about 10 
10 or so new, uh, well, 10 or so uh, third parties or nine third parties, as opposed to the, in 2018, where you had about seven or eight, right? Some of them never came back, but they also extracted some votes from both sides. Um, I don't know if, I mean, although they were insignificant, some, you know, some were between 35 and some were the most, you may maybe 235 or so in terms of the, the, the third parties, but they also extracted votes. I believe that people in an election, when people think that the incumbent is doing decently well, pandemic or not, people don't turn out. You always have low turnout when the government is going to be retained, when the administration is going to be retained. When you have high numbers, um, like the last time, I think you had like about 70% of your vote, of your of your um, electorate go out to vote in 2000. No, that's not true. The last, time, the last time was 60%, and that's the second lowest number. So that does not stand up but, to what but you're still, saying. But still, it was but low still. voter turnout in the last election it in which be, but, but the BLP was, won this, the seats. This, this does not hold up in Barbados. What you're yeah, saying what really saying, does but, not hold up if we look at the data for Barbados. But what I'm saying to you, 44 45%, yes, that is a great dip, but it still won resoundingly. The, the, the DLP did not gain... Um, sufficient points. I mean, some of them even did worse than they did before. So you, some of them got even lower numbers, way lower numbers. Yes, the 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 uh, Barbados Labour Party, the ruling administration now, um, their their amounts were were lower, but all of them got over two thousand votes. Every one of them. Where you had in some cases, the the DLP got four hundred, five hundred, six hundred votes. So uh, you know, for, for you to say that the people are not happy. Uh, I, 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 they're not showing it because I am sure that there are many people who did not, who also did not go out to vote for the, obviously for the for the Bobby's Labour Party as well. But more people did not go to vote for the DLP because the DLP, first of all, they were not organized, they were caught off guard, they had too many new candidates, they had people changing constituencies, all that kind of stuff was happening. And so, you, when you don't have a sound message, you're going to always have the the current administration taking the lead. Uh, doctor, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying okay. here. Let me, you you. Let me pause both of 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 you. Dr. Christina Hines, I want you to take just a minute because we, we don't have a lot of time left uh, to respond before I switch the gears on the discussion to talk a little bit more about uh, Antigua on a comparative analysis. Sure. The only thing I really want to say is that there's no evidence to support this view that when you have lower voter turnout that the government remains because the last election was the second lowest before this one, right? So this was a new low. Before that, our Remember, lowest was Christina, 59%. The, pro the problem, Peter has pointed out. I thought you just gave me 30 seconds to speak. Oh, go ahead. Right. right. So, so the point I'm making is that, not that I disagree with what you're saying about the, the failures of the DLP. I'm not here to support the DLP, but I am saying that it is more complex than this and that we cannot assume that when voter turnout is low, that people have confidence because it was low in the previous election and people clearly did not have confidence in the government. So I think there are other things happening in assessing voter, voter turnout that we really do need to take seriously. Um, I agree with you totally that the DLP underperformed, but voter turnout is something that we have to really look at and find out what is happening in this country to ensure that this is not a trend rather than a blip. Dr. Brathwaite, uh, take 30 seconds for me. I, I know you wanted to come in. Just take 30 seconds for me. Actually, the only point I want to emphasize is that, uh, and I have worked very closely in, in these elections for the last five rounds, and the problem is the voter list. The voter list is heavily bloated, 
heavily bloated with persons who've been dead for 10 and 15 years and who, although I know in my, in the constitution that I live and I work in, we've been changing on a daily basis. We never stopped cleaning that voters list. And yet we saw names that didn't even appear in the last election, but were there 10 years ago, return. So I'm saying there is an internal problem in terms of the blood in the voters list. We've heard Joseph Abdelie speak about it in 2013 when he lost. We've heard several ministers on all um, members of parliament all sides speak about that voters list. There either has to be a new or different way in terms of registration or there has to be really some greater effort at cleaning the voters list. So I personally think that we are, we are comparing uh, using outmoded data. So we lack the accuracy to even speak to that. Oh, Dr. Dave Ray, I wanted to ask a question which was more so looking at Antigua and Barbuda. Uh, now, if you look at Barbados, uh, you're looking at a different situation in many respects. Uh, Mia Motley is, has rather just secured her second term. Um, Prime Minister Gaston Brown in Antigua would be looking to secure his third term. Uh, whereas the opposition in Barbados would have been, quote-unquote, caught off guard. Um, it, it's pretty much been clear in Antigua and Barbuda that there's going to be an election for some time, and I think the opposition has readied uh, and responded to that. Um, of course, there's also the issue of, uh, 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 in terms of the, um, the, the, the... It was just on the tip of my tongue there. Anyway, it may come back to me, but basically I'm asking you. The situation in Antigua is somewhat different from the situation in Barbados. I'm wondering to what extent you think that the incumbent in Antigua and Barbuda can expect uh, a similar strength in terms of going into an election, whether or not some of these issues uh, in terms of uh, uh, persons' dissatisfaction with the economy due to COVID, maybe persons' unhappiness, some persons' unhappiness with the, the way COVID was handled in terms of restrictions and vaccination, whether those things are likely to bear any weight on the outcome or, or the support for the incumbent in Antigua and Barbuda, as it didn't well. I mean, I, well, I wouldn't venture to say how much it impacted in Barbados. Uh, but, but what do you think, Dr. Davering? Well, we can't predict the future. However, what I can tell you is that people's uh, attention spans are short and people will forget quickly. One of the things I'll tell you about Antigua is that messaging has a lot to do with election results in Antigua. If, for example, the current administration, and as you can see from since they have um, been elected, they have been very much uh, on the airwaves every Monday or, you know, you know, having uh, coming to the public, giving cabinet notes. Uh, the prime minister goes on Point FM and he speaks every Saturday for two, three, four hours to his community. He communicates on social media. I, I'm not going to say that how he communicates is the way I would communicate. However, I think he reaches a certain demographic and he is very visible and his ministers or his cabinet it is quite visible. They are, we hear them every day, even if we don't agree. Generally, the ones who don't agree what the ministers or the cabinet has to say is always the opposition, right? The opposition is, uh, is in lower numbers, as we know. So I think messaging has a lot to do with, with winning or winning an election. Uh, a lot of times I find in Antigua, we tend to be more emotional as opposed to strategic. You have to be strategic. You have to be um, politically astute as to how you campaign. I've never been in government before, but one of the things I can tell you is marketing, um, um, strategizing in, in running for elections is the way you win elections, not by emotions and by cursing people. The other thing I'll say 
is that one thing, and I'm not here to give advice, but my answer to this advice is I find that the opposition tends to always uh, refer to the electorate as corrupt or taking bribes. If I want to win a girl or have this person as my future wife, and by the way, I just got married, so I kind of know how to do it. This is my third marriage. Uh, <laughs> one thing I don't do, I don't speak ill to her. I try to woo her. And I find too many times the opposition, members of the opposition party, always seem to castigate the electorate because they supported one party. That is not in their favor. And you cannot do that if you want to win. I can't, I can't uh, curse you off if I want to win you over. So if you keep calling the people who, who uh, legitimately believe that the current administration is the way to go, there are some who believe the opposition is the way to go, but the messaging has to be of such where you don't castigate the electorate. And so we have to take those things into consideration. Uh, the, 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 the opposition in Antigua, the leader of the opposition made some blunders. He's my friend, but he made some blunders. The blunder, one of the blunders he made is when they lost the election in 2018, he should have put someone out of the Senate and go into the Senate so his voice can be heard in the upper house. For him to be the leader of the opposition and be outside of parliament, and he does not speak very regularly, that's a disservice to him. He, second thing is, he has to be able to win his constituency, right? One of the things we have to do is, Paul's about numbers, and you have to see where the trend is going. The trend is going upwards or downwards. In 2004, the Labour Party lost 13 seats. They, they kept four. In 2009, they kept the same four and gained three. And there are people in Antigua who can tell you that I had predicted that the Labour Party would win 14 to 13 or 14 seats. The only mistake I made, and I can tell you publicly, I made the mistake of uh, John Messiah uh, and and um, and uh, and um, Dean Jonas. Those are the only mistakes I made, right? But the other people, I kind of knew they would have they would have lost. The point I'm making to you is you have to watch the trend. You have to see where the numbers are going every election. And if you're gaining more seats as you go along the chances are you're, you're going to keep winning. Now, even if the, even if the Antigua Labour Party loses a few seats, I don't think it's that easy for them to lose the entire election. Yes, there are some issues during COVID-19 in terms of how uh, the government handled the issue. I think they did a great job. Not perfect, but they did a great job because in the OECS, as we know, they have the higher vaccination uh, uh, um, results in terms of gaining, what, 60 or 60, 63 thousand people being vaccinated right as opposed to OCS OECS islands and so yes there might have been some some uh some mandatory you know mandatory vaccine orders issued but that helped to drive people to to get vaccinated so the approaches may be different I can't compare Mia Motley to Gaston Brown they're two different styles of leadership however Gaston Brown comes to the public and he speaks you know a lot of the things that we say that he does you know, can we prove in a court of law? Can we see he broke any laws? All those things you have to take into consideration. And you have to understand in Antigua, the majority of the electorate, the, the, the electorate is registered as Labour Party. So, you know, we have to we have to think about those things. Mm. Not saying there's not a possibility they can win a few seats or win the election, mm. you know, but 
we have to look at numbers and trends and the direction they're going uh, uh, to decide who's going to be the next government. Quickly on this point, I want to bring in Dr. George I hope that Brathwaite. makes sense to you. Of course, of course. Uh, quickly on this point, I want to bring in Dr. George Brathwaite. Dr. Brathwaite, how would you um, make a comparison between leadership and, and personalities? On, on the one hand, um, Mia Motley and Gaston Brown. On the other hand, what would you say about the current leader of the main opposition party in Antigua, which would be Mr. Harold Lovell, uh, as compared to, uh, I believe, Ms. Verla de Pisa, if I'm pronouncing the name correctly, for the uh, Democratic Labour Party in Barbados that just lost, quite resoundingly. Uh, how would you compare uh, uh, leaders and their appeal? Um Hey, Ron, you would know that I, I would have worked directly with the Antigua and Barbuda Labour Party in, in, the, in 2014 election, in their 2014 election victory. I get along very well with um, the uh, Mr. Lovell and, and with Jocelyn as well. Uh, what the gentleman said just now, is, uh, Dr. Dale said just now, is absolutely correct in terms of uh, Lovell. Lovell needed to really project himself more. And I think it, it hurt him. And he normally gets in these little uh, skirmishes with the Prime Minister. And the Prime Minister is not afraid. He's, as I said, quite pugnacious, proactive. He do, does what he has to do. Uh, I think Lovell uh, has a, a, a perhaps a wider percentage of following than you would see the Verla de Pisa. Uh, he's not necessarily being challenged in the same way, although I understand there might be a looming challenge. Uh, but he also, like Verlet, needs to be able to win his seat. He, he allowed um, Nicholas to get his seat, and from then on, you know, it, it, it's been a battle. Uh, the in, in terms of the same way, I think uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure you remember the, the days when Observer was said to have given um, certain preferences to, 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 to Mr. Lovell and uh, etc. Uh, but I, I think you have to use what avenues you have, whether it is social media, traditional media, newspapers, you use it all. So I see from that perspective, Gaston Brown keeps in touch with his base. So regardless of whatever happens, you're going to see red stay solidly red. It is those persons who are in the center who do not know if they should um, go one way or the other, particularly with uh, my, my, my lady friend who's leading the APP. Uh, but the reality is that battle in of itself has not died down. The internal battle that she and Lovell had has not turned down. If the two of them were able to, uh, to lock horns together, they may bring about some formidable opposition to gas. Oh, the Brown, DNA, you mean? As it stands. Uh, pardon me? Oh, the DNA. I think you said the APP. You're speaking about um, yeah. Messiah. The DNA. Uh, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. DNA. Uh, as it stands, uh, the, the reality is that Gaston Brown is seen, uh, uh, and you bring the political culture into the context of this now. The political culture in Antigua is a lot freer, a lot more things go and can be said about another politician or about what happened than you would see in Barbados. In Barbados, uh, you'd be talking with a lawyer very quickly. <laughs> So when you put the political culture into into that context, Gaston Gaston Brown knows who are behind him. He knows his base, and he will work it, use it, play it to his advantage. He's very strategic in that sense, and and he's not afraid. He's he's definitely not afraid. 
I, I think Lovell, uh, Mr. Lovell may be one that would tend to back off, although he too is intellectually sharp. Uh, uh, Dr. Christina Hines, let me bring you in. I want to ask a question about um, uh, national platform as opposed to constituency politics. Uh, your analysis in Barbados of uh, to what extent in the election that just passed, uh, the national platform and the national leader was of uh, appeal to the electorate as in, in the case of both uh, governing and main opposition party uh, as opposed to uh, constituency politics uh, how much does it matter that someone uh, at the constituency level is a more appealing candidate in that constituency race as opposed to the overall party's national platform and national performance i think that caribbean people in general like a strong, charismatic, so-called maximum leader. And I think this is consistent across the region. So wherever we can find that person, people vote in that way. Our system is structured in a way that kind of shortchanges constituencies because there may be someone in your constituency for whom you would like to vote because you think they will be the better representative, but people may choose not to vote for that individual because they're looking at what political party they want to govern and who they want as the prime minister. So we end up in that kind of conundrum all across the region. I think it exists in Barbados and therefore, you know, leadership becomes critical. Although at the constituency level, there may have been opportunities for, for some other persons to do well, the political party and the leader of that political party really is what people end up making a decision on, whether it is that they're looking for this person to be the prime minister or they want the person to be the leader of the opposition, although people are really looking for prime minister rather than opposition leader. I think leadership really does make a difference in our system. And therefore, the national platform is what generally works. And we saw that in the BLP's campaigning where they said things even at spot meetings that a vote for the candidate in this constituency is a vote for Mia Motley. They said that directly, and this was quite different from what we saw in the DLP campaign, where the votes for the individual candidates at the constituency level were not portrayed as a vote for Verla de Pisa, and perhaps even if they were portrayed in that way, I don't know that it would have been successful since she is not viewed as this type of leader that we like in the region, this charismatic, very strong, perhaps even maximum type leader. Um, uh, last last statement, uh, Dr. Davery, I'll let you end it off. Um, anything you want to respond to? I'd also ask the question of whether or not you think, based on what Dr. Christina Hines just said, um, that perhaps in our opposition, whether or not you think that um, Howard Lovell is that sort of leader in terms of the UPP, that uh, a candidate, a UPP candidate in a, in a constituency could 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 sort of piggyback and say a vote for a vote for me as the UPP candidate is a vote for Harold Lovell. I think you know Harold Lovell as a leader of I think Harold is more of a technician. I think Harold is an attorney who likes his comfort, his comfort zone. Harold doesn't like to do the dirty work. You can tell because he's not as vociferous as a, a, a person who wants to lead a party should be. And this is my this is my opinion. 
I think he comes across more as a person who wants to be portrayed as, you know, Mr. Goody Two Shoes. And I think he's a good, decent guy. I, despite whatever, I think he's a really decent guy. But I think that in politics, you have to be more bombastic. You have to want that prize. You have to work towards that prize. And I don't think that Harold Lovell is exuding that type of attitude towards his campaign. When you speak to Harold Lovell, he will tell you things like, well, he has to take it to the party. I have to discuss with my executive. Gaston Brown has decided, look, if I have to be authoritative on this particular issue, I will because I am the leader of the party. And I'm telling you something. People want to be led. Despite what they say, people want leaders. People want people who can lead from the front, not lead with help. You know, people like to follow no matter what you say. Okay, and they may say, oh, you behave this way. But people like strong, strong, as she, as she, as she um, touted earlier. So what I'm saying is there has to be a, a, a change of, of pace in terms of how how response. For example, when something is said by the current administration or by the prime minister, there has to be a response immediately. You cannot leave it to go cold. You have to respond if you want people to take you seriously. You, what, I, what I've noticed, and I'm going to wrap it up because I know time is short, is that when they speak, they speak to their, their people only. The people who are, like, it's like preaching to the choir. Those people are already supporting you, right? So you have to find the way to balance your, your argument so that you can reach the people who are undecided, the people who are nonpartisan, the people who, you know, you have to be strong. You have to, you can't come across as though, you know, you are, you know, I'm just trying to be a nice guy. I, you know, I follow the rules and I'm not corrupt. And, you know, all those things, they don't really wash for the, if, the, if it's not, if the common man is not affected by some of the things that you're advocating, it doesn't really matter because politics is really based on how does it affect me personally? And that's, it may be sad, but that is what it is, especially in countries of, of, of developing countries is what you can, what, how does it affect me personally? Okay. And so, I'll end it there for now. Um, I want to thank all three of our guests. We have to leave it here, folks, even though we could have carried on this discussion for another 20 minutes or so. Um, We were joined, of course, by Dr. Dave Ray. That was the last voice you heard there. He's an Antiguan and Barbudan. He joined us from New York. He's an elections analyst and a campaign organizer. He was a campaign field organizer in the 2016 Hillary Clinton campaign. He's also an internationally known cosmetologist. We were joined as well by Dr. Christina Hines, who is a senior lecturer in political science and international relations at the UEK Phil, and as well by Dr. George Brathwaite, a lecturer in the Department of Government, Sociology, Social Work, and Psychology at the UEK Phil. Also, he's the former consultant editor at the Caribbean Times, which was a paper here in Antigua and Barbuda. Thanks to all three of you for joining us for this discussion this afternoon. It was quite enjoyable. <laughs>